0: Welcome to the seven and a half floor of the Merton Flemmer building. As you'll now be spending your workday here, it is important that you learn a bit about the history of this famous floor.
1: Welcome to Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute, the daily podcast in which we index, alphabetize, and file the film Being John Malkovich one minute at a time. I am your host, Austin Pryor, and I'm joined again today by Una Kearney and Peter Crawley. How are we doing today?
0: Good to be back.
2: It's like Wonderly Wagon, you know, that moment where it goes <laughs> oh, up into the house. Up the house goes up. Very odd.
1: Awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the second Wonderly Wagon reference we've had in this podcast so far, Yay! assuming the first one didn't get cut and this one, etc. So today we look at minute 18 of Being John Malkovich. Minute 18 starts with Craig saying to Maxine, I think maybe you're onto something and ends one minute later with the beginning of Lester's warning to Craig. Don't toy. Don't toy. Um, that's all we get. So how did you get on with this minute?
2: I love this scene. It's so funny. Um, it's great. The performances and the lines, boom. just uh, a lot going on. I'm really struck by how the, the sonography sort of serves their relationship.
1: The sonography, that's a new one on me.
2: Um, sort of the layout, I suppose, of the, the location in this case. Um, and right, right. So, 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 so the way they're, they're, they're kind of by dint of having to, to sort of duck down. And then yeah. when they mm-hmm. come together, even though it's only really the second time they're meeting, it feels so incredibly intimate.
1: I think maybe you're onto
2: something. And 50 other lines to get into a girl's pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no.
1: no, no, no. I was just talking about the, you know, about the, the film. Yeah.
2: Here's the thing. If you ever got me, you wouldn't have a clue what to do with me.
1: <laughs> I wasn't, I was talking about a film.
2: Yeah, I mean, it feels like this is the, the chapter about denial, which is sort of if we're in the psychoanalytic chair, <laughs> um, you know, there's nothing wrong, <laughs> uh, there's nothing going on, um, and and sort of mm. there's a gorgeous... I was
1: talking about the film. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, the, there's a gorgeous sort of interplay between um, what what is said and what we're seeing happen and sort of a blatant mm-hmm. a blatant kind of countering of that through the character like mm. with, through the female characters so um they both yeah. say the unsaid both of them um, yes. in natural discourse in some ways it's playing into the idea that i think we're really feeling craig's confusion in this world as well so um we have someone say something that is Absolutely, reading his mind, we could argue. Yeah. And he denies it. And then we go into the. I I mean, I do love that line where he goes, No, I I was talking about the film. I think it's just, it's so great that he hangs on to that. (laughs) Um, And then what it's doing is saying, We like, you know, Craig is worth getting to know because he has something that he's not able to face in himself. And I think this makes his character kind of interesting. And then in the next scene when he's doing the filing, Ooh, what magic. Those fingers could work on the right cabinet. Maybe you could alphabetize me. And don't forget, I comes before you.
1: Flores, I think you're very nice. But the truth is that I'm in love with someone else.
0: I'm afraid
2: I have no idea what you're saying to me. You bastard. What? when she says all of this really kind of strong uh, sort of uh, come on with with a lot of innuendo but it's just so delightful as as dialogue to hear in this world that we've established yeah, yeah. a sort of a reality about and then when she says you know i've no idea what you're talking about and then calls him a bastard it's sort of throwing up the rules of the game <laughs> as being sort of like yeah. and again maybe it's about control i mean you know Floris puts herself out yep. there in the way that like craig does but then she, she takes the control back, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whereas mm-hmm. Craig hanged, hung on to his denial. So again, he's being outplayed yeah. by the two women. And yeah, he's about, to, he's being toyed, actually. So don't toy. He's being toyed with. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: it's a good solid 60 seconds of omnidirectional sexual harassment of the workplace. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. it's a fascinating thing to show somebody who might be new to the working world right now. Um, mm. uh, because I, I, because it's inappropriate. <laughs> it's absolutely inappropriate. The, um, the, one of the really interesting things about, to go back to in his point about sonography is how do you establish something that automatically makes everybody look kind of foolish or yeah. at a loss stooped? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's designed not so much to uh, ensure low overheads. It's designed to compromise the dignity of anybody who's yes. working on the seventh half floor. Now, how do you then create a character who's, who is so, you know, intoxicatingly, dangerously alluring and preserve mm-hmm. that. And I think kind of some of uh, most of it's an accommodation that's made, for Catherine Keener, but also the the choices that she makes in her performance so you uh. while you always see craig stooped over you know kind of like you know and and most people wandering around shuffling around the seventh and a half floor she tends to lean she's loose mm-hmm. she always finds an angle and a kind of and like in the way that kind of somebody at a bar opens their body out it kind of seems to make them again um toy with the perceptions and expectations of people around them and that happens at the vending machine, um, but again, she's playing games. She's no, hang on, no. I correct myself immediately. She's not. She's the one who isn't playing games. Yeah, she's, she's the cutting one who through the bullshit, cuts through the games. Yeah. Right? but she's and it, it gets, speaks to her character because she is. So ruthlessly pragmatic. Everything is a means to an end. Everything is kind mm-hmm. of transactional. You know, mm. you know, fifty that and fifty other lines to get into a girl, a, a girl's pants. Yeah. The it it completely surprises him and embarrasses him and kind of diffuses him. And he laughs mm-hmm. in that kind of, you know, psychological Nervous, way. Yeah. He giggles because he's been so pathetically exposed yeah. that it is, of course, his end game. He would never want to admit it or confront it. And she has, she doesn't waste time. She is entirely about it. The, yeah. the, 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 you wouldn't know what to do with me is, you know, <laughs> borderline cruel, probably, probably, yeah probably and as we will kind of learn throughout the film entirely correct yeah but also it's this you know to to use the phrase baller move she (laughs) absolutely takes control of the situation and extracts i think some enjoyment from it and then walks off in the sort of typical kind of femme fatale hard-boiled epigrammatic kind of kind of ways not a word is wasted and And, then kind of and as Luna says, the 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 dynamic is reversed instantaneously when Floris becomes the predator, and she you know what you know what work those fingers could do with the right cabinet, and she gives <laughs> she she gives one of she's one of my my favorite lines, which is and remember I comes before you. Oh, it's genius. And it's yeah. it, it's it's followed by something that's so interesting when <laughs> Craig says when Craig says she he doesn't say but I'm happily married. He doesn't yeah. say he doesn't say I'm taken. He yeah. says, "I'm in love with somebody else." Someone else. Yeah. And that, yeah. and he's, and it's, and it's, and again, it's, it's as pathetically revealing as yeah. Maxine's kind of, you know, counter to him. And it, it speaks to something that you were saying the other day, Austin. The sort of the idea of the courtly love thing, the idea of kind of, you know, yes. medieval romance. He's yeah. already in love with somebody he's spoken to twice, who he mm-hmm. does, who, who he still does not yet know the name of, you know. Yeah. But he's gone all the way to there. This kind yeah. of, you know, bruised, disillusioned, kind of, you know, uh, wilting romantic has gone all the way to I now have the object of my desire and, mm-hmm. no- and nothing will, will persuade me from my course. Not even the overtures of one of the most fascinatingly controlling characters in the film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing. You know? So that, so that what, what, we, what we know about Flores is she oc- occupies the same role as Maxine for um doctor uh Dr. Who, Lester. Doctor Lester, thank you. Who Dr. Lester who's convinced that he is indecipherable, that she cannot yeah. hear him. You know it's has cringe, been yeah. has been made. <laughs> and one, and as as we will find out, wants her enormously, and she only keeps him at this you know, Eloise Abelard's um, uh, uh, division. They kind of yeah, see yeah. these kind of like echoes and refractions going the whole way through. I have to say, she also has my least favorite line, which is oh. the, is in this, in again, this kind of minute, um, when she adds the bastard to, to, oh. her, um, to her rejection. So the so the the fact that he says I'm in love and she says I, I, I can't make out a word you're saying or words yeah. to that effect, yeah. the fact that she adds bastards to it kind of kills the majesty of the the manoeuvre. That she is going to... Yeah.
1: Because bastard is something you say when you feel bruised and you're trying to bruise back, whereas the first thing was a power move where she's where she's walking away. However, what what the kick I get out of the bastard line is that it throws into total question what Flores is doing and how good or bad her hearing is.
0: But it but it it shuts it down. It shuts down interpretation. It confirms something. It confirms that it's a maneuver, it confirms that yeah. she can hear everything perfectly, and it confirms her hers. And in so doing, it loses her power. So mm-hmm. so to be inscrutable is to be invincible. And yes. that's kind of what Floris is. And with that single line bastard, it mm-hmm. deflates it. I like if we could go back to the, the scripts and what's kind of preserved and cut. If, we yeah. could, if I was allowed to do my George Lucas Ruins, the original Star Wars movies, <laughs> I would digitise yeah. that one out.
1: Yeah, yeah, interesting. Replace her with a digital Jawa for that line. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I kind of have a slightly different take on it. I quite like this moment when she says bastard. I think, um, uh, I don't know, maybe it makes her, maybe it makes her a bit more real because when we, um, when we first... Uh, Meet her, I think, um, in that crazy scene where all of the lines are making crazy sense, and it's it's like an Ionesco yeah. play. You know, it's it's absurd and surreal. Um, and I, you know, I think that's a, an interesting kind of argument that like this confirms her as seeing as hearing everything. I'm not sure. Like, you know, she's been rejected. That's what's been clear. Mm-hmm. And sort of, so yeah. she. But it's been a slightly private conversation. She's sitting on the window, and I think just picking up on the sonography point. Again, it's so interesting how he's bent over doing the filing, but she's sitting there, framed by the window, looking mm. quite comfortable. And this is the moment when she gets up and sort of, you know, yeah, ki- kind of delivers her her killer blow, but she does it in a very public way. And you'll notice in the mm-hmm. background a couple of the women turn their heads and look. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a pointed move um, in sort of in the arena of the world they're in. Um, I mean, it's maybe quite a cynical one, but, you know... he. he she, she was the predator in that scene and she's painting it like he was. Um, so that's the sort of social, psychosocial dynamic that's being played out um, which I think Mm. makes it interesting and makes her kind of complex and in a way where she gets to by the end of the film is sort of interesting too so um, I I mean just in terms of that kind of control thing um, whereas before she's sort of more of a hapless kind of comedy character and we really don't know to what degree she's hearing but yeah so Tell me, let's fight this out. What about this bastard line? Well,
1: I, well, the other the other <laughs> element right. that we could bring into the bastard line is, what if Flores at that point sees Lester is coming over and decides to get Craig in trouble with Lester, Ooh. and if and it works because mm-hmm. he comes over and says, "Don't toy with Flores," and the last thing he saw about their interaction was mm-hmm. her walking off and saying, "Bastard." him so she could have been saying it for uh, Lester's benefit knowing well, that she can manipulate Lester and indeed, she has that power indeed, over indeed, him
0: indeed indeed it would it would make her an even more aggressive and manipulative character i think <laughs> yeah. that she's then she's already really been established i think the bastard to my mind <laughs> confirms that it's a conscious decision it's a tact. it's um it's a policy it's something like kind of um uh passive aggression Although I think in this, in this, it's probably, we could call it distortion aggression. You know, it Mm -hmm. kind of, it puts them at the, it puts them at a disadvantage. She is entirely, she's entirely unflapped by anything that happens as a result of it. Um, And she's always able to maneuver the conversation forward, as opposed Um. to get stuck in sort of something irresolvable. Um, So if the bastard remains, I'll take the bastard. I'll have the bastard. Now that I see that it's connected to her own string pulling of um, inter-office affairs.
2: (laughs) But but so do we think that absolutely she doesn't fancy Craig, that she's absolutely just playing him for this moment? Or do we think there was an element of flirt in the office place? I think
1: I think she would go for it with him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that I'm saying maybe the bastard line is just for Lester's benefit, not the whole not the whole thing. It just brings me to this difference in perception that I have of this moment, from when I was—I mean, I was twenty when I saw this movie first. I'm—I'm I'm now a forty-year-old man, so Floris is a bit more age-appropriate for me. And I'm like, I'm like Craig. This is a pretty easy decision. She's just—I'm—I'm I'm going for it.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm. I, Flores is looking a lot better to me now than she did when I was uh, when I was a 20 year old watching this for the first time. And um, and I admire her, um, you know, her sexy forwardness. And I'm, I'm kind of yeah, that's that's a no brainer as against the unattainable, uh, you know, and kind of nasty person. Yeah, it's a, it's a no brainer if you're going to cheat on your lovely wife. which let which let's not
0: (laughs) she so she seems she seems equally nasty to me i guess she is she doesn't seem like a a less nasty she seems she seems like a fairly guaranteed proposition to craig in this circumstance that's Um, probably
1: more what i'm responding to
0: i'm i'm absolutely sure that um uh gratification is assured to her involvement in the (laughs) The, the liaison but not necessarily the cl- the Craig is going to get anything out of the deal Wait, um, no. <laughs> and and should he and should he remonstrate i'm pretty certain that those words will not be interpreted as he means them
1: yeah. <laughs> um i just uh one thing i noticed this time around was the um the status conferred on Maxine and Craig by their respective drinking vessels. So, mm. um, uh, so Maxine comes in with her her mug that's clearly her mug, and um, she gets her coffee topped up. By her, you know, servant uh, Craig, and uh, Craig has a ludicrously undersized paper <laughs> cup, mm. and it is, it is, and maybe it's meant to be like an espresso cup or something, mm. <laughs> but it's, it's got that nasty. Um, kind of meaningless pattern print on it from the, from the eighties and nineties. And it's, uh it's, it's sad and, you know, confers <laughs> a low status upon him. And uh, she has this very, very bold, confident mug. <laughs>
2: mm. Nice, nice observation. Yeah.
1: And then just the way that that scene ends with, um, Craig still in denial and still the only thing he can say is to, to say again that um, no, I was talking about the film and he doesn't know what to do with his hands and I burst out laughing no matter how many times I watch this for studying and for doing it again, I just, I can't not laugh when I see the way his arm flops down and he, <laughs> he has this breathy kind of, I was talking about the film and he's like he can barely speak and and then, of course, we cut, there's this great contrast because we cut to a moment where he's filing and he knows exactly what to do with his hands. And then he's mm. in, in the kind of status position in the next scene where he's, he gets to reject uh, the um, romantic overtures.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a whole psychoanalytic reading there that I hadn't thought about as well. You know, he doesn't know what to do with his hands with Maxine and he, and he sort of, mm. it's his brilliance with his hands. Doesn't and,
1: know what to do with her.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's all there. And um, also, hats off to, to Spike Jones again in terms of this scene with the filing cabinet. It is absolutely beautifully directed, and it's so simple. Like it's literally mm-hmm. there's there's the two singles, and then it's just the camera move to Lester. So it's like literally he's in that pincer movement between the two. Yes. It's not fussy at all. It's very simple, but it's absolutely the dynamic of him because he's he's literally watch your back, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, um, he's beset so. on all sides. Yeah,
2: it's an ode as well, isn't it? To like. Watch what Kaufman is good at once he's contained, which is the wordplay, Like making that work in a way that's, I mean, it's a pleasure to watch those scenes. I agree, they've dated really well. So,
1: so I got the feeling that I'm about to lose you two again for today. Uh, We're gonna see you again tomorrow?
0: Sure thing. Defo.
1: All right. Don't bump your ass on the way out. I love the way you've both settled into doing this uh, visual thing with the hands on an audio podcast Um, but uh, you know long may it last it amuses me if not anybody else